Welcome to Success Stories brought to you by SNS Activewear. I'm your host, Marshall Atkinson, and this is the podcast that focuses on what's working so you can have success too. Many businesses talk about growing their sales and setting goals. For apparel decorator and marketing king Tom Rallin with Envision Tees in Dubuque, Iowa, expanding the business and obtaining new customers has been his focus. He has developed an interesting way of doing this with his growth acquisition system, or GAS for short. On this episode of Success Stories, we'll dig into exactly what this unique approach is and why it is working so well for Tom and Envision Tees. So Tom, how are you doing today? Welcome to Success Stories. Hey, everybody. I'm doing great and glad to be here. Let's just start off with the fact that if you don't know Tom and my relationship, we're business partners, right? So we own Shirt Lab together. And uh, we met a long time ago at a trade show. You took a class from me. And since then, we've become friends and we're doing a lot, a lot of fun stuff with Shirt Lab. And SNS, who sponsors this podcast, is also a big sponsor of Shirt Lab. So big shout out to them. Welcome to the show. And I'm so happy you're here to talk about your gas system. So I like to say, in order to move forward, uh, get momentum in your business and grow it, you've got to step on the gas. And that's our growth acquisition system. And we've been implementing that for... I think right now we're at six acquisitions in the last seven years, and that's enabled us to reach the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America the last three years, and it's just been an amazing ride so far. So let's start with your origin story, Tom. So how did you get into this business, and then what markets are you focusing on sales? And I think that kind of dovetails into the what you're doing with the gas system. Yeah, so I started in 2005 in my parents' basement. We started off with a Ball Stars heat press. Uh, I was making Christmas ornaments and custom sports photo balls. Then we got a Stalls um, clamshell press and started ordering in transfers. I was pressing T-shirts with transfers. That only lasted so that only lasted about three months, and I knew I had to get out of the basement into a storefront with high traffic location. So we moved there, upgrade to a 2000 square foot space, got a single head embroidery machine and a six color manual press. And we were open for business. Like it was uh, ready to rock and roll. So the first two or three years was really just cutting our teeth, learning the hard way, making a lot of mistakes, pulling all nighters, working six, seven days a week, whatever it took to you know keep moving forward and our goal always has been build a solid foundation for our business reinvest in equipment reinvest in technology and then as we begin to grow reinvest in our team and people over that course of time we've grown uh, we moved out of the 2000 square foot facility into a 7000 square foot building 2012 and then most recently we uh, just expanded into a 35,000 square foot facility. We're operating four automatic presses, two manuals, about 50 heads of embroidery, laser bridge, a couple laser engraving machines, and a couple large format printers. So gone quite a bit, but with that, what's helped feel that growth has been the acquisitions and the model we've had behind it. 
And I'll say through six acquisitions, we've learned a lot. I've learned um, our sweet spot. I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And I can go over a few of those with you right now. So number one, biggest mistake I've learned is you want to make sure the equipment aligns with what your current equipment is. So if you have all M&R equipment and the business you're looking to acquire has all of some other brand, it's really tough to sync everything up because you have different squeegees and flood bars, you have different platens, different parts and in, in different service. So if you have to have a service guy come in and you know work on and tune up all your machines, it's going to be different. Same goes with embroidery. If you got to Jima or Baradin or another brand and the company that you're buying has all different ones, maybe they take different file types. Is it a DST file? Is it, you know, what is the file type? So that is a huge one. You want to make sure everything aligns with your business, equipment being a big one. Um, the other things that you want to make sure are aligning from the start are, you know, your core values and some things like that, just to make sure that the customer base usually is following and um, along with the former owner, you know, it's going to be attracting the same type of people. So um, you want that customer base to be able to get to know and like and trust you the same as they did with the previous owner. There's a few other things along the way that you want to check, you know, make sure that they have a good customer list with all the information. So do they, does their customer list in some sort of database, do they have contact information, mailing addresses, email addresses, phone numbers? What is missing? Or is it just one big mess? Same goes for art files. So there's a huge value in the all the art files. You think how much time their graphic designers put into building these art files and everything else, especially when it comes to embroidery for digitizing. Do they have 500 digitized files or do they have 5,000 digitized files? that can be pretty expensive if you have to recreate it. And how are they saved? We, the one business we acquired after the fact, it, it was an absolute mess with reorders because a logo was saved as logo one, logo two, final logo three, revision two, three, four, five. And there was no sort of way to look those up. So it was a complete mess. So you want to make sure that, see what kind of systems or processes they have in place what kind of organization they have in place with their files, whether it's their customer database or their art files and things like that, because that makes a huge difference at post-acquisition. Okay. And so when you buy these businesses, how do you do the valuation? Do you bring in an independent person? Do you just wing it and throw them on a number? I mean, is there a formula that you're using? What, What do you do? So we've got kind of our own little formula put together for that. And it really depends on the size. Any business below, I would say below 500000 in revenue is a single one to three employee business. And there's not a whole lot of value there because you're not really buying the systems and processes and everything else involved. So a lot of times you're getting some equipment, equipment that you've already probably have. So there's not a ton of value there. So you, you got to look and value what is the used um, rate for this equipment because most likely you're going to have to sell most of it. You might be able to fill in a few things. Inventory and supplies, that's kind of just icing on the cake. Um, but you can you know weigh that into it and really want to look at their top 20%. It's 80-20 rule. Um, usually the top 20% of the customers are bringing 80% of the revenue. So you want to look at the top 20%, top 10, 20, 30, 
clients and see what kind of volume that is at and base a number off of that because if you're buying a business in a different state, even another town, you're going to lose some of those hometown businesses. Joe's Lawn Care from such and such city is not going to migrate over to your business possibly. So some of those smaller accounts you're not going to get, but if there's larger national accounts or even any of the larger ones, those are the ones you want to focus on because those are the ones that are going to continue to bring um, substantial money post acquisition. So for those, you want to get an introduction, you want to do a Zoom call, you want to do a face-to-face meeting, and you want the former owner to do a handoff essentially to tell that customer that they built that loyalty with and that trust with, hey, here's the new owner. I want you to trust them. I want you to continue to do business with them and give that kind of passing of the torch from the customer to the new owner. So it's a seamless transition. So you've bought small businesses and medium, large, and your most recent acquisition was a a pretty famous phone number. Yes. So this one was actually five years in the making. 1-800-T-SHIRTS and 1-800-T-SHIRTS.COM. I looked at this five years ago as I was brainstorming different marketing things. I thought, what is the best real estate you could have when it comes to being in the t-shirt business? And 1-800-T-SHIRTS and 1-800-T-SHIRTS.COM is super memorable. It's easy to remember without writing it down if they hear it, you know, whether it's on social media or just by word of mouth or whatever the case may be, is a very distinctive name for a brand. And so I reached out to um, Frank Newton, the owner of it. He, he's owned it for 40 years and uh, operated Newton Screen Printing in Franklin, New Jersey. And I said, Frank, I, I would, I'm interested in buying the business, the phone number, the whole nine yards. And this was in 2015. And he emailed me back and said, I'm looking forward to um, continuing the conversation. And I plan on retiring in 2020. So let's talk then. So in 2015, 2020 seemed like just so far away for me. But what I continued to do was I knew it was something that was going to be valuable and something that long-term would be really good for our business. So I continued to stay in touch with Frank. And you know, every six months ago, we'd stay in touch. I flew out there, met him. And a lot of their values aligned with ours. The other nice thing about this business was they had no equipment. So they were contracting everything out. So we're able to bring all those orders back in-house, fill some capacity here in our production facility and continue to work with those accounts. They also have really nice customer base of some national accounts. Uh, Their average order size was, was very nice. And, you know, a nice long-term stable business that's been around for 40 plus years. So we were super excited about that. And, you know, over the last five years, it was just continual nurturing, you know, making it happen. And then this year, of course, 2020 with everything that's going on with the pandemic, it was, is this the right time or is this the wrong time? And, you know, I, I said, this was the time from the get-go in 2015. So no matter what's happening in the economy right now, we're pushing forward and we're going to make this happen. We're going to make it work. It's been, it's been amazing so far. So this is why you're putting the, the pedal on the gas, right? It's just, yes. saying, you know what? Uh, the pandemic's going to end. I'm making a decision about the future. Let's go. Yes. And we made this decision in 2015. So 
even though the circumstances have changed right now, what's going on right now, this decision today is going to impact us of what the business is going to look like in 2025 and beyond that. Like what you hear so far? Be sure to subscribe so you can get the latest from Success Stories. And now here's Craig Sullivan with the SNS Spotlight. Since we're on the topic of expansion, let's talk about a few ways businesses can create new opportunities by expanding their product lines. One of those things is bundling. Let's say you had a brewery customer come in and they wanted some sweatshirts or any fleece for a second, crew neck, hood, whatever it may be. You want to look for accessories and things to bundle with that initial item that they asked you for. So let's say they asked for a hooded sweatshirt, throw in a knit beanie or a duffel bag and and kind of present it as a package rather than just give them the hooded sweatshirt. Now, they may not actually buy that beanie or that duffel bag. They may just go with the hooded sweatshirt. But if it's cool and exciting and they go for it, they're going to show it to other departments, which you could get a phone call from that have a different event that they could use those items for, or just, you know, kind of slide it away and come back to you in a few months for their next project. But but at any rate, they now know you do beanies. They now know you do duffel bags and not just hooded sweatshirts. It's getting them to think of you for all encompassing products. It's not you know, don't go to you for hooded sweatshirts and go to the guy down the road for beanies because that's who they've bought this whole time. It's I'm going to go to to my guy who can get me beanies, hoodies, you know, duffel bags, hats, whatever it may be. You want to be the all-encompassing solution for the customer. Lastly, you can co-brand with, with retail brands. Um, it kind of goes with bundling as well. But by co-branding, you're taking a, a retail brand that already has its own following and putting it on an item with your customer's brand or business name. What you know benefit does that have? That has that now Smith's investment firm, you know, on the side of a Columbia hat, now makes Smith Investments firm have so much more perceived value to the casual, maybe new customer or someone that's never heard of them before. Cause now they are pairing themselves with Columbia, who has their own, you know, following at retail, has their own, you know, crowd of enthusiasts. And so if Smith's investments is, is good enough to be on a Columbia hat, maybe those other people should be in and using Smith's investments. All right. Now get out there and try these strategies. I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. Thanks a lot for listening. So when you're talking with a, another business owner about buying their business, what's the what's the downside of that? I mean, do the people kind of overinflate it because they're so personally attached? What do you do with their employees? Like there's there's got to be some things attached to that where it's just super difficult and really rocky to navigate. Yeah, so the first part is the smaller the business, more personal attachment that they have to it. You know, it's their baby that we've all, you know, birthed and grew from the ground up. So there's a lot more, you know, I've got sweat equity in this and I've built this and I've put all this time I've worked all these nights and weekends and everything. It's worth X amount because they've got all this personal attachment to it. But as the business gets larger, they realize that it's not so much them or their personal attachment to the business. It's concrete. The actual numbers is what it's worth. It's, you know, what is the customer list? What is the annual revenue? What is the profit? That's really, you know, what it's based on. Then you add in some equipment and inventory. You can factor that in. But, you know, the true valuations, you know, after business gets to a certain size. And I think then the, the owners are able to separate their emotion from it a little bit more. 
and realize that it's all dollars and cents and the numbers tell the story. And so are you buying the real estate as well? In some cases, we have purchased the real estate and others we have not. So it kind of just depends on the size of the business, what's going on. And if it's easier to roll up. So like for a local business, like we um, acquire a competitor in our town, it's easier to roll that up into our location. We can immediately look at the P&L statement and see all the overhead expenses that they have and start cutting those out or redundant services. So like, you know, a subscription to Sage or ASI or, you know, all these different services that add up to be a lot of money and expenses. But when you combine those two businesses together, you can cut all those out and that really increases the profit. Your growth and success has really opened a lot of doors for you. So what's the most surprising thing, you know, looking back at everything you've done and your kind of journey that you didn't think that would really happen, you know, when you're operating out of your your garage so many years ago? One of the fun things is if if we were to write down and say, hey, what is our dream customer list? And, you know, it would be cool to work with so-and-so someday or, you know, whatever the case is, like we've attained all those and beyond. So, you know, printing t-shirts for the World Series and for the Washington Nationals and for Bryce Harper and, you know, different things like that. Like that was stuff I would never have even imagined um, starting out. And then, you know, now just like, you know, I was on a, a reality TV show, Fireball Adventure Rally on Amazon. And so like that was a door that got opened up through this. And I had no clue that would happen. Uh, and the 1-800 t-shirts brand is going to continue to open up more doors on a national scale. So, you know, we're excited for the relaunch of that e-commerce site on Shopify and just pumping out that brand um, all over the place. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another thing that I don't think a lot of people in this industry know is that you have businesses that are not in this industry, right? I mean, you own a brewery, you're a partial owner in the field of dreams. Can you just go through some of those real quick and talk about how they kind of help shape what you do for your business in this industry and how you acquire businesses for the future? So the brewery is a great example. You know, that uh, we started two years ago, two and a half years ago with build out and formulation and everything. But the fun thing about that is the retail that we're selling at the brewery is kind of like a test pilot or a case study for the products and designs and everything else that were um, introduced into other breweries throughout the country. So we're able to get some new products in, we're able to test them out, get them out there and find out if it's a hit or a miss. The hits, we can easily go to other breweries and say, hey, we've got this um, this hoodie or you know this koozie or pint glass or whatever the case is, we did this design, here's what worked. And it's been selling like gangbusters, you know, the patch hats, we do certain styles and stuff like that. And by having that proof, and not only like as a client, but as kind of being on the back end as well, we're able to take that, model it, and expand that to other customers and clients as well and help build the business. Okay, cool. All right. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, Tom, uh, what's the best way they can do that if they want to learn more about what you do or maybe how you can help them. They can, you know, look me up on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. The handle is at TomRound247, or they can go to TomRound.com. And 
we can't end this without talking about Shirt Lab Tribe. <laughs> so yeah. let's give a plug for our business. So uh, what's that about, man? So, so happy about Shirt Lab, Shirt Lab Tribe. You know, we've been gathering experts, not only in the decorated apparel industry, but all over the place that are just sales and marketing experts and people, experts in, in crazy little niches, you know, finding someone that's really just rocking it in Pinterest or rocking it in LinkedIn or Amazon and bringing them in as guest expert speakers on a weekly basis sharing their expertise and their knowledge with everyone in the tribe to be able to help everybody grow. So, you know, when we started this, uh, people, people ask me, why are you helping or why are you teaching, you know, your secrets or some of your success to others in the industry and, you know, essentially competitors. Right. And I've never looked at as competitors. I always, um, I always, the term is co-opetition. So I want to cooperate and collaborate with others in the industry. And I think the more we can do that, we all raise up together. We all add value to what we're able to give to our customers and we're able to charge more because of it and be more profitable and just keep growing because of it. So uh, the main goal for me is like, how do we give back? How do we add value? How do we raise up the industry together? And, you know, just, and just gain the, the other cool like byproduct of this is when I say, Coopetition is um, when we cooperate and collaborate with others in the industry, I'm learning from them, they're learning from me, and we all get better. And then we're building amazing relationships and friendships. I know last year at the, the live events, you know, social media and being online is one thing, but when you're able to meet and get those interactions in person, I've just, we've made some amazing friends in the last couple of years in the industry. And, you know, those are going to be lifelong relationships and friendships that I, I value a ton. Yeah. And as Mark Coudray says all the time, if I win, that doesn't mean that you have to lose. Yep. Yeah. Total. We can win together. Yes. Abundance mindset. And, and I, even with our local uh, competitors, I say, there is more than enough business to go around for everyone. There's, there's plenty of t-shirts to be printed for everyone. So I got the abundance mindset of, you know, let's, let's all do it together. All right, dude. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, Marshall. I appreciate being on. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest success stories episodes. Have any suggestions for future guests or topics? Send them my way at Marshall and MarshallAtkinson.com. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>